Welcome into Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a quick timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined again this week by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. Summer is on its way, which means it's time to start thinking about summer camps. Your campers will love the 323 Sports Performance Camp t-shirts, which start at an incredibly low price of just $7.99. To find out more, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your summer camp program. So talking about the summer months and uh, those off-season times of development, probably the likelihood of a lot of coaches working with one-on-one, two-man two sessions, yeah. three-man small group versus the five-on-five, thinking more so of how can I incorporate skill development, dribbling, passing, shooting, along with decision-making and the skills that are required for those players to actually improve as players on the court once the season rolls around. So today, talking primarily about one-on-one games, uh, maybe even some adaptations, Randy, that can go along with some of those. Sure. So small-sided games, that's one of your expertise. You're a great sharer of those, and I know a lot of people follow you looking for your inventiveness on those. So I'm, I'm eager to see what you've come up with, but with small sided games and these small group workouts that some coaches have during the summer or off season, we want bang for the buck. We want, we want the, the most amount of teaching that we can get into a um, small little um, group of players. So we need to be hitting offense, defense, decision-making skill, and small-sided games and some of the things you're going to share today are good examples of how to, to sort of like get multiple uses out of one activity. Try to pick ones that are a little bit more popular or have been popular for me on social media. I don't necessarily know if that means they're always great. Yeah, uh, I have found, and you probably have found this too, like your development of your small-sided games. Uh, sometimes they turn out great. Sometimes, yeah. they, sometimes they stink. Some, some I found, duds. <laughs> I found some, yeah, some are better than others. I've also found too, depending on what you emphasize within each of those, it could be a dud or it could be great. I'm not afraid to try something and it for it to turn out to be a dud, but maybe the kid loves it. Um, you know, those off season months, th- things can get long and I want them to have fun and, and enjoy it. So I will sometimes, probably some coaches don't want to hear me say this, I'll sacrifice it being great basketball wise if they're going to have fun doing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've talked about, especially with younger kids, like just allowing yeah. them to be able to have fun. So that it may be one where you're like, no, that's not that great. You could have done it like this and it'd been a whole lot better for them to develop this. And you're probably right. But I do think that incorporating the fun element is a key part of this too. And so hopefully some of these will, will show that as well. So um, if you're listening to this, we do have video for these. So if you may want to go back and watch this episode on YouTube, I also have each of these as well as a lot more games on my YouTube channel. And we'll direct you towards where you can find all those resources towards the end here. I started with this one. It's called pound finishing and I'll try to describe each of these. This one-on-one as the name implies there's a pound. So basically the drill starts or the rep starts with an offensive player, a defensive player, and when the offensive player bounces the ball, we're live. The two players are starting. We keep them hip to hip. I think maybe now is the time to mention this as well. Like think about as you design these, what you want out of them. If I want the offense to have an advantage, a big advantage, you know, I may put them a step behind the defense, a step behind the offense. Mm-hmm. I've got more even level players. I may put them hip to hip. If it's a drill where I want 
a little bit more defense, I might put the defense in front. So I just mentioned that now because this is one where you could very easily adjust those things to create whatever you in particular want out of that one drill. So, it, so they're hip just, to hip. Okay. They're, st they're starting hip to hip. It's a pound and then they take off to the basket. And we usually pick a certain number of spots on the floor to do this from. I think for this one, I had picked nine spots to do. Adding in that element of competition where you can, in this case, the same player is going on offense at all nine spots. And then you. we'll flip it over and have the defense go at all nine spots and see who can have scored the most out of those nine spots. And that's your winner. So the, the initial pound dribble sort of is like the starting gun for the drill, if you will. So what would you say the objective of this drill? Like if you could say one objective, I, I would say, correct me if I'm wrong, like kind of like contested finishing, like kind of coming up with like creative finishes where you're in a drive and you kind of got to finish with a contest at the rim. For us, we teach about seven or eight different types of finishes. Each program has its own number. I would encourage coaches, if you don't have specific finishes that you teach, that you do equip your players with at least three or four. Yeah. And I think, too, the next level of thinking for your finishes are not just I have these all available to me, but when is the best time to use any given particular finish? I won't spend a lot of time with it, but just quickly, if you have a big advantage with a guy, you have him beat. We just tell straight finish, just like yeah. your you know finish that you just worked on when you were you know a little kid. Long arm um, layup, yeah. If you have a little bit smaller advantage, kind of to throw off timing, we'll do the off foot. We call it inside reach, right foot, left mm -hmm. hand on the opposite sides of the basket. Stride stops. That's more of hip to hip, or maybe even the defense has a little bit of advantage there in front. Yeah. So coming to that stride stop and then stride stops. If you know anything about stride stops, you can do multiple things out of that. We'll do sometimes the Nash where they dribble underneath to give themselves a better angle. If you have a complete defense gets in front and everything kind of goes neutral for you, you could jump stop. Some people like floaters. We don't really teach a lot of floaters, but mm -hmm. could be that. Could be a Euro step that you're teaching. Could be the Barkley where you turn around and start. So the answer to that is it is working not just on finishing. We want to become a better finisher. We want to be using the best finish to give us the best opportunity to score. For the, the context in, that, that we're in. So choosing the right finishing tool for the, the way you're, you're being guarded or not. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking um, through this through things like that with like my older players. I, I'm not necessarily doing that a lot at a camp for little kids. Third graders, and, yeah. yeah, right. Okay, so how could we how could we load this drill to make it more? I don't know. Involve maybe say we got four guys. How could we? What we could use the same start, put a put a secondary defender on help side, something like that. Yeah, so we'll do it sometimes with a secondary defender over on that far side. You go with just two, and you're probably going to end up with a shot. Mm -hmm. So a shot at the rim, a finish, if it's like a late rotation, or or you're going to end up with a wide-open first shot off of the pass, which yeah. I think is I think those are great too. That's probably something we're doing a little bit earlier on in the season or with younger players to recognize maybe when I see chest, 
I make that extra pass to a, yeah. to a teammate. So again, like it, I feel like it, these are the kinds of drills where you can a platform drill that you can maybe either add players or add constraints or incentives and turn it into a whole new drill without changing really a whole lot. Yeah. Constraint I used in one-on-one, which is what we're going to be talking about today. And, and it's, it's probably not going to be an issue when you're starting with a, with a sort of a small advantage like you are in this drill. But one thing I wanted to avoid was, you know, in, in a real game, in a, in a five-on-five game, if you're driving and you have, you know, a small advantage on the drive, that's going to evaporate rather quickly. Like you don't get all day to, to mess around with that. So in any one-on-one thing, we would use a five-second shot clock as a time constraint. So it's not a problem here. All these clips you're running through here, this is this is quick-hitting drill, but if the guy got in front and neutralized you and cut you off or cut your path to the rim off, then it might come into play to have that five second shot clock um, to where you don't get all day in a game. If you're driving and come to a stop, the defense is going to collapse on you or you got to get in the air and figure it out, get up and get fouled, something like that. So you, so a five second constraint on one-on-one is something I use that that might be helpful um, for, for those of you watching or listening. All right. Second one here. All this triangle closeouts. I went to okay. defense closeouts. Another one of those like foundational tools, but on the other side of the ball. So finishing for your offense, I probably most are going to say finishing and shooting. If you talk about essentials, mm-hmm. offensive skills, defensive skills in the modern basketball, probably closeouts, guarding the ball. And this combines the two of them. Okay. I'll preface this by saying, think about the kinds of closeout drills that you're doing mm-hmm. so that you're practicing ones that transfer over to games. Um, And what I mean by that is if you're watching this with this drill, the ball starts on the block with the defender and the defender passes it out to a coach or another player staying at standing at the top of the key. Yeah. And on that pass out, the player who just passed it, your defender is running out to the wing to play defense on the offensive player. Gotcha. So the triangle is, Player on the block, who is actually your defender, starts with the ball. Mm-hmm. Coach at the top of the key, and then offensive player on the wing. Ball is passed out to coach. Player starts closing out to the wing. Gotcha. Coach passes over to the wing, and then you're playing one-on-one. So as you were saying, probably a little bit more game-like from the standpoint of not much of an advantage for the offense, but you go live on the wing you also have the ability, flexibility of that's a lot of space without extra help defender standing in the way, that kind of thing. So probably another one of those drills a little bit early on that we're practicing more so than Mm -hmm. we are at the end. But back to my point about the type of closeouts that you have, those long closeouts where you're running from the block to a wing. Yeah, uh, Those happen during a game, but probably more likely in the game you've got like a gap closeout where I go from being one pass away or you know even two passes away to then closing out to the ball so I, I'd encourage you to think about even so the design of your in this case triangle closeouts we did this as well we would actually would have the the guy with the ball <coughs> so your initial defender mm-hmm. would actually stand like up on the elbow and he would toss the ball out to the coach and then the coach would throw it quickly over to the wing. So you've got kind of more like that east-west closeout yeah, rather than the, the long closeout. Well, this one, I, I think another couple of points that come to mind as I watch this one would be the ball speed at which the, the, the two passers 
kind of go would, would challenge the closeout rep all the more, just like in a game. The faster the ball moves offensively, the harder it is for the defense to catch up and get there. So, uh, you know, when the coach gets it at the top of circle there, he could just hot potato it right to the wing, and that's that would really put stress on that closeout. Second, to me, what it's working on is is um, the shot drive decision from the from the recipient of the of the second pass out. Do I have time to get off a shot? In this case, is most of the time maybe no. So that that helps rep that shot drive decision of like that they're they're going to get to me, but they're out of control because they're coming so hard. I'm gonna I'm going to uh, to put it right on the floor, and I'm noticing too in your closeouts in these. You're mostly going no middle and closing out to the high side, but obviously that could be adjusted for your defensive philosophy. Um, you could talk to players on the catch about attacking the high foot, making the guy open in his gate, trying to drive maybe to where they're not wanting you to drive, um, trying to drive that high foot and get middle. You're working on uh, popping back. So when you are attacked middle, you can sort of chest it and cut it off, which I'm seeing your guys doing a good job of there. So a lot of stuff here. I like it. Again, I would advise five seconds when that when that second player hits it, you got five seconds. What? That's it. The two points that I love about small sided games: what you just said, you can work on both sides of the ball and emphasize offense and defense at the same time. And second of all, if you're watching this, you see it. The reps are super quick, which mm -hmm. means a lot of guys. If I were to just show this to any coach, most of them would say that drill stinks there's a huge line on both sides and only two people going, but that line moves fast. You know, one thing we're not, where, I, where we're putting the defense at a disadvantage like this by making them make that long closeout, two quick passes, they're, they're, they're already at a disadvantage. Well, I wanted to make clear to our defenders is like, you're, you're probably going to get scored on. It's, it's hard. We're, we're, we're overloading the difficulty of what it will actually be in the game to stress you, to, to give you a, a sense of, of sort of like, this is harder than it will actually be. We're doing that on purpose. It's the overload principle. I would, I would want to, the defenders to know what is an acceptable outcome in this drill. So if you get scored on, but it's, it's maybe you get the, uh, the guy hits the shot, but it was outside the paint. And and you were you you were able to get in the air and contest the shot and and he, and he scores outside the paint, we can live with that, you know. Like that's that the the, the sort of like what is an acceptable outcome. A quick timeout is presented by Huddle, the market leader in video-based analysis solutions for basketball teams around the world. Huddle continues to make advancements to their suites of performance analysis solutions. Tools you know like sports code are enhanced by their industry-leading tech like Huddle Focus, an AI-powered smart camera that's built to integrate into sports code right out of the box. It captures and uploads videos automatically from any gym. Head over to huddle.com slash a quick timeout to get a peek at all they're bringing to the hardwood for every level of the game this season. This one is called attacking closeouts, and it's very similar to the drill that we just watched. But this is one where if you're low on coaches, you don't have somebody you can pass to. Maybe it's just mm -hmm. two people at the mm -hmm. workout. Or I like to give this to players. If you go to the gym with a, with a teammate, man, work on this for five, ten minutes. Ball starts underneath the basket, tosses out, and you're playing one-on-one. -on -one. Again, kind of defense at more so of an advantage here because everything is just north-south, running straight at a player. 
but offense, you're kind of being forced to turn around and use one of your finishes when the defense is neutral, similar to the last one, like I said, but a little bit different. A lot similar. Playing with the defensive at a disadvantage, they're 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 coming hard out, <clears throat> hard on a closeout. I would say that this is a, a fundamental a fundamental thing that we want players to be able to to assess is do I have time to shoot? If not, how can I use the momentum of the recovering defender against them? This one we've talked quite a bit about Furman, so I thought I'd throw this one in here. A lot of coaches using small-sided games, I think sometimes primarily from an offensive perspective, like emphasizing something offensively. This one I like, and I like to do it early, is simply defense being able to guard the basketball. Another kind of disadvantage for the defense because the offensive player is attacking them downhill, so you're going from almost like a standstill position to having to guard this player who's running at least 3-4 speed at you. I think their emphasis this day was keep them out of the paint was as simple as they had. So to your point, last point, the offense a lot of times was still going to get a shot off. It wasn't about like just eliminating shots, but they were trying to keep them out of the paint. Yeah, make it a tough shot, a contested two, you know. So the the drill begins with sort of some momentum by the, uh, the offensive player. They have some runway, right? Yeah, so they start just a step inside the half court line. And then the defender is starting at the top of the key. And so he basically has from the top of the key to those elbows to level the driver out, to keep him out of the try to force him out toward the corners. If, if he can, which is man, what a big challenge. Like, again, this is another example of like, it's not this hard in the game because you've got, you might get a stunt or a little bit of help from either side or something like that. So you're, you're having to guard a tremendous amount of space one-on-one. A couple of applications I can think of here, like how, what is, what, what does this moment that I'm seeing mimic in a game? It could be transition defense. Like we dropped, we're back, but the ball's coming at me really hard and, and, and they're trying to crack the shell with the, with the, with the, um, with, the, with penetration, and we want to stave that off or force it wide in, in transition. We worked a lot when I coached um, on front line, flipping to the offensive perspective here of, of we called them one man to beat drills, meaning like like if you imagine in football, there's a there's a guy who caught a caught a punt and he and he sort of broke through that initial of the punt the punt team coming down to tackle him. He broke through that. And he's about to score a touchdown, but there's one man to beat. Maybe it's the punter back there who's, you know, kind of having to, you know, sit down in sort of a in a stance to get ready to try to make an open field tackle, which is kind of like what this is. The ball's coming at me hard. I'm having to kind of just do my best, man. Like, like this is a bad situation. It's coming at me hard. We got there's one man to beat. So we we worked a lot offensively on our one man to beat moves like a hard stutter or an inside out or a inside out crossover or a Smitty or something like that to sort of like set up that one man. Like if I can just get by this guy, I'm home free for a layup, just like the punt returner. If I can just get by this guy, it's pay dirt, right? So that one's called one V one heat up line, just kind of a bonus. They describe the heat up line as essentially it's about two steps outside the three point line and they will actually put down a piece of tape on the floor. And Coach Richie, I heard him say it to him that day, if you can't guard inside this line, you can't play for us. 
So yeah. that's where they get the so name like of it. It's like their pickup point. Right, pickup yeah. point. Gotcha. Here's a fourth. I'm going with shooting. So not all finishing, not all defense. This one is just for shooting. It's not used as a, like a shoot, shooting and or driving drill. We put a cone at the three-point line, and this cone could be where, anywhere on a three-point line. And then there are two other cones that basically form a triangle off of that top cone there. And whichever way the offense decides to go, right or left, the defender who starts in front of the offensive player must go around the opposite cone. So as the ball is at the top, if the shooter goes right, then the defender must start to run around the left cone Mm -hmm. and then come and defend the shooter. So this is a shooting off the dribble drill. This is not catch and shoot or just catch and one dribble. You'll see him basically clear it with one big dribble or two dribbles, and he's got a defender coming and contesting the mid-range jump shot. It may not be one that you use with all levels of players, especially if you're not a mid-range jump shot person, but I think especially for like our, our point guards or players who are in pick-and-roll situations, yeah, and they're like going that. against like a drip, drop coverage with a on-ball defender who is getting around a screen and attempting to contest that mid-range jump shot. I think this could be one. I like that it. Is used I like it as a like contest that. drill. I like it. I like the stop and pop idea from the from the offensive player. Mid-range shot has a role and a place in in basketball. And like you, you gave a, you gave a good example, but it could it, this could come after a shot fake, like a guy I wanted to shoot a three. I used the lift fake. I got the guy off the ground, and I and he gets back in the play after I fake him up or or something like that. A really good skill is to be able to do what the player in red here is doing, now the player in blue, is to sort of have this this horizontal energy that I have when I'm driving, get to two and transfer that to vertical energy. Like that takes like strength in the lower body, good footwork, and to sort of like be driving, get on two and, and stop and pop like that. Yeah, that's that's a, man, watch Devin Booker next time they play. Like he's sure. excellent at this and and sort of like, Gets his shoulder down, gets to a guy, gets off two feet, and elevates right into that 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 pull up in that soft spot between running them off the line and protecting the rim. Next one here. This is more of a catch and shoot again with a defender who's giving pressure, but the defender is at a disadvantage. You'll see just because of where he starts. So we'll set up two cones on the mm-hmm. perimeter. So in this case, there's one that's basically kind of high wing, and then another one that's low wing kind of a step or two below free throw line extended and the offensive player starts outside the three-point line next to the low cone the defender was going to chase around that cone and put pressure on the shooter we call this stagger screen shooting just because the cones are kind of set up in that stagger shape and the defender again is he's several steps behind the offensive player which allows for the the shooter to get a relatively clean shot off, but you're at least feeling some pressure rather than thinking that I have to shot fake or make a move to get somewhere else. You know a shot is coming. So the the, the shooter is is moving into the catch and immediately has to do several things that, that, that look easy sometimes by some players but are very difficult. Organize your feet. Find the rim. Like when you're coming off of a down screen or a double screen or even if it's just cutting up out of the corner – on a blast cut to get a catch at the wing and, and going right into a shot, locating the rim, organizing my feet 
And then another thing that I like that's being worked on here is, is if you have inefficiencies in your shot mechanics, your release time and things like that, you're not getting a shot off. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the, the, the defender will get back to you if you're, if you have to take this kind of false step out to the side or if you wind the ball up too much. Um, so the compactness, I guess, is a word I could use. I find the rim, my feet are organized, I get right into my shot, and and we could speed that up or low or or slow it down by the placement of those cones to, to really help a player. Okay, you've got a good shot, but but it takes you too long to get it off. You're you know, so things like that. The guys like that one just simply because them quicken their shot, and that is probably one of the biggest changes that they have to go through going from high school to college. Yeah, good point. I think this is the last one. I included this one. If you're watching this, this involves really small kids on a mm-hmm. smaller goal. We've lowered the goal down. This is one of those like camp drills okay. that I found even younger kids have done and enjoyed doing. I've called this 1v1 tag. You have an offensive player who's standing at the top of the key. The defender is going to actually start with the ball at the free throw line, and you can place just one cone at the top of the key. Mm-hmm. The player with the ball tosses it out to the offense. The offense drives to score it, and the defender is trying to chase down the shooter and just tag them in the back. And if if they do tag them, does that mean like they kind of win per se yes, as the that defender? Means, that means the basket doesn't count, and they win as the defender. I got you. It's avoided uh, collisions around the basket. Kids jumping under each other, running into each other, hurting each other. And the offensive player, this is a little bit higher level than the kids can only dribble in and shoot an uncontested layup. Like mm-hmm. they can play in smaller games. You can see probably the age of the kids here around six, seven, eight years old. Mm-hmm. And so they're working on finishing around the basket, but there's not that full blown one V one players on my hip type of thing. Yeah. And it, and it's fun because it's like, oh, I'm going to catch this guy and, and you could kind of, increase or decrease the distance between the cones to make it a little more or less likely that they'll get tagged. I'm noticing in all of these reps, the drivers going to their right hand, you could say, okay, now we're going to work on left hand and and have them have them go the other way on the and and just do the same drill the other way. I had been doing small side of games primarily with my older kids. And I figured, how can we change this or adapt this to do it with the younger kids you add tag to anything to smaller kids and they think it's awesome Mm -hmm. um i think i mean we've been doing some of these for years whether it's like dribble knockout or you know even like a shooting knockout game you're not playing one-on-one but you feel pressure and i think that's a that's just a huge part of it is to feel some sort of pressure something that's game-like um and it could be something that's pretty low level or something that's intense where you've got multiple defenders out on the floor even the younger kids, I think, can benefit from these types of games. Yeah, and it's something like this, even with with high school, college guys, like you're not going to probably catch them to tag them, but but you we could be we could be drilling like chase down block, like pin it on the glass, like try to to get the chase down block. I have that one. I just didn't include it. I almost did, awesome. but I Good. didn't include it. Well, great minds think alike. So if you want to find more of these, I have multiple playlists i started creating some shorts those are those vertical videos so there's a mm-hmm. vertical video short list small uh, small side of game list on youtube and then there's also kind of a those those larger games those are more so 4v3 4v4 even some 5v5 
five v four type stuff. So if you're looking for for any of those, you can go and and search uh, Coach Tony Miller there on YouTube, and you'll find those there. That'll do it for this episode. If you missed any part of the live show, you can go back and watch or listen. Just search Hoops Form on YouTube to watch the full interview, or you can go to any podcast platform and search a quick timeout. And there you'll find the audio version of this show. For Randy Sherman, I'm Tony Miller. We'll talk to you again next time on Hoopswarm. Swarm.